0: That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program has been brought to you by greatbrewers.com, a social media marketing platform dedicated to promoting the world's great brewers and the beers they create. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn, If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more.
2: Hey, 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 welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. It's March, oh, it's April 1st. 2014, April Fool's Day. We've got Two Roads Brewing and Brasserie Trois Dames. I'm calling this for the Love of Saison show. What a great crowd we have here. Thanks to our sponsor, greatbrewers.com. Thanks to Roberta's. And most of all, thanks to HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can be a member and check it out, HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We've got Paul Sullivan. Uh, he's now working with Two Roads Brewing. He's also a, a columnist in Ale Street News. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thanks, Jimmy. Nice to be here. So, Paul, I think you might have an interesting perspective on this crowd. we got Raphael from Trois Dames in Switzerland, uh, B.R. Royer from Shelton Brothers, uh, John Kleinchester, is also part of the Two Roads team and our esteemed American brewer, Phil Markowski, who is an author of a great book about farmhouse ales. Um, you know wh- what do you think about about Phil and two roads because you you 've been an uh, ale Street news columnist for a long time, a home brewer, you write a great home brew column, you also lead the tasting panel you know wh- what is it about two roads that inspired you? Uh, and, and how long have you known Phil? Give us a little well, background Yeah,
3: that's part I've known Phil over 20 years now, I guess I met him when I uh, volunteered at the old New England brewery When they were in Norwalk, Connecticut uh, I was one of the homebrew volunteers That would come help on the bottling line And uh, we kind of became friends I gave him some of my homebrew He gave me some good feedback And he's been a real influence on my brewing for a long time So, And I'm very happy to be working with him in his brewery now All right.
2: And what do you think the role, I mean, I'm I'm trying to build everyone up to Phil, but if you've read his book, you know, what's the role of of Phil's book? It's the farmhouse ales culture and craftsmanship and the Belgian tradition. I mean, is that something that has inspired brewers as well as home brewers, Paul?
3: Yeah, I mean, back before he wrote that book, there was, it was very mysterious how to brew saisons and farmhouse ales, and Phil kind of really took apart the process and talked about different yeasts and different ingredients and... Uh, all sorts of things that kind of made it more accessible to the, you know, the
2: average brewer. All right, and Raphael from Trois Dom's in, in Switzerland. Welcome, welcome back to New York. We met you last year when you visited.
4: Hello, yes.
2: Yeah, and, you, and now you're brought over by Shelton Brothers and uh, BR's here. Uh, tell us a little bit how, how you got started. I know you had a love of saison also when you when you were first starting out.
4: Yes, so I've been uh, brewing. Um Yes, uh, English, North American inspired beers, and also, of course, Belgium. And um, uh, I've, I've, I've done some traditional saison, but I try tried, I tried to find a way of uh, brewing beers uh, which is not exactly the same that the Belgians do. And, um, and I try also to use sometimes, you know, um, uh, yeast from the fruits and uh, combine the yeast from the fruits with the yeast from, from uh, traditional uh, beer yeast. And, um, yes, experiment with this. Oh, cool.
2: And, B.R., uh, thanks for coming on the show again. It's always great having you. B.R. Boyer from Shelton Brothers.
5: Thanks, Jimmy. Um,
2: tell us a little bit more about Raphael because you, know, you, you brought him to the States last year. Yeah, he's and-
5: been here a few times. Um, and a lot of the beers that we do not import are ones that are not found traditionally in Switzerland but we they, that Raphael keeps in Switzerland, like IPAs and stouts that – you know we have lots of good ones in the U.S. and we find that the one the beers that he's doing more experimentation on uh, are the ones that are really doing well for us. As he was saying, experimenting with wild yeast cultures on the fruit skins. Uh, we have one beer here, La Mojuz, which uh, it's a saison, which is then uh, one is fermented w- with uh, white wine grape leaves and the other uh, with red wine uh, chasselas and then the, the Pinot Noir or Gamaret, gamma I believe. Um, so and in, in those we are really finding an audience here in the U.S., especially with uh, people really getting interested in the sour beers and to wild fermented beers, and those are, are taken off for us. So we're happy to have you. right. It. We're
2: looking forward to the show. you have got a lot to talk about. And, of course, Phil Markowski, uh, the, the brewer for, for Two Roads. Phil, it's so nice to have you on the show. Thanks, Jim. And, uh, we've, we've, we've it's we've great to be We've got to here. see you a few times over. First, just for our listeners, Phil's not wearing a hat. And if you know Phil Markowski, I've only seen you with a hat on. Ever is that is that, right? is that typical, guys? <laughs> I'd say more often than not, but uh,
6: yeah, especially this time of year, you know, <laughs> got, got nothing upstairs, so I got to stay warm
2: somehow. No, we, 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 we love having here, and, and uh, this Two Roads project has been like it's crazy. I mean, you're you're also making beer for other guys like Evil Twin that that we've had on the shows, but ultimately, uh, what's your main goal? Is you're trying to make the Two Roads brand?
6: Absolutely. I mean, our, our attention, first and foremost, is on Two roads brand. That's our, that's our focus. Um, we built a very large brewery in order to do it once and not have to do it over as, again as we grow. And, mm-hmm. you know, in order to facilitate that, um, at, you know, at the same time, we recognized there was a, a need for a facility to make, you know, faithful um, renditions of craft beers. A lot of the regional contract breweries in the area are not really set up for it, and we built something from the ground up to be set up specifically to do craft beer but uh, absolutely our focus is is two roads. We just launched here in New York uh, about a month ago it 's been going great um, currently we 're available statewide in Connecticut and Rhode Island and in greater new york City westchester in in New York um, we will be expanding into Massachusetts in April, so this is April now, so a couple of weeks from now we'll be launching in Massachusetts. And that's it, you know, in our immediate plan. So we, we really want to be uh, a regional craft brewer and, uh, you know, with obvious focus on Connecticut. That's our home state. And, you know, we want to do it with uh, an array of both traditional and unique beers.
2: Great. So I know, I, I know knew you first when you were at Southampton Public House. And um, tell us how you got started there.
6: Well, I maybe I should... Can I go all the way back? Sure, go back. Um, I got into beer in college, which, uh, you know, that's uh, that's you know unique story, yeah. is it? <laughs> and um, Paul, did you get into beer in college?
3: No, high school. <laughs> <laughs>
6: He's very precocious. Um, and I, you know, I, I worked with this gentleman who is English, who happened to mention one day that he brewed beer at home, and I was a completely... Astounded and had to find out more about it. So that literally that weekend I bought uh, my first home brew kit. I'm dating myself, but this is 1984. And I started just to immerse myself in it. just fascinated by the process. And five years later, um, I was offered a position to be a professional brewer. And this was 1989. So there, there were not many craft breweries around. And that was New England Brewing Company. So I was there from um, 1989 to 1995, went up to New Hampshire, started a brewery up there. in Merrimack, it was a mile from the Anheuser-Busch plant. Um, And then in 1996, um, came down to Southampton, New York, and was there for 16 years. And then the last two and a half years were... um, dedicated to Two Roads. And we opened Two Roads in, um, we started selling the beer in December of 2012. And, uh, you know, here we are 15 months later, and it's going really well. And um, we're about to have our first sour beer release um, on April 19th. So we're really trying to do a lot of interesting beers, but we have what we feel is a very solid core of five beers. And we have uh, are we ready to get into the tasting? Or Go for it. Um, we have our olfactory pills, which um, we've just opened up. And, you know, this is, is um, in many ways a very traditional German-style pilsner, but um, we have, you know, philosophy at Two Roads. We would like to um, put our own stamp on, on everything.
2: Cheers, Phil. That Thank we you. do.
6: And, and um, the, the twist that we put on the olfactory pills as we dry hop it, which, which is not something commonly done, certainly not in Germany. So that's, uh, you know, it's otherwise very, um, I think, you know, respectful rendition of German pills. And this is, is one of our flagship products that we do year-round. And uh, in some markets, it's, it is our best seller.
2: Well, Paul, what, what do you think of this Pilsner?
3: It's really good. It's a nice, dry German pills.
2: And you've you've done a lot of tastings with Ale Street News. I know you do the, the kind of blind tastings. Yes. yes. And how, how how what what would you pit this against uh, uh, other pills that are on the market that you like?
3: Oh, classic German pills, probably Yaver, um, uh, and all the other ones, all the other really
2: good world class ones. Phil, when you when you so for Two Roads, you pretty much are creating all new recipes and. It, it, tell us the process of, of creating the beers that, that you're making at Two Roads.
6: Well, um, you know, again, every every beer that we make, um, that we decided to make, is, is made by, it's a committee decision. So we, you know, we've chosen our core products to reflect um, what we feel is, you know, we something that might be miss, missing or lacking in the craft market. So we um, we decided on doing a Saison uh, year-round. And in twelve. Twelve ounce bottles in a six pack and undraft, which is unusual. And <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> you know, I've been somewhat typecast as the farmhouse sales guy, and I'm not complaining about it. But um, you know, people identify me with farmhouse sales for better or worse. And um, you know, to me, I have a, a deep love for this style of beer, no question about it. And we wanted to do something that um, was was a little more. Uh, faithful to the original, and that you know means lower in alcohol, yet still uh, not lacking in flavor and complexity. So, with our uh, workers' comp saison, which I think maybe is on deck here for our next uh, next sample, uh, we we chose to to build complexity in, in several layers. And um, you know, a lot of times my own process. You asked me about my process in in crafting recipes, is to Uh, imagine a flavor profile, then work backwards from there. Just try to figure out how to um, get the type of flavor complexity, both uh, nuanced and and not, into the beer. And in this case, we have a wide range of grains that we put in our saison. And this, I would have to believe, is traditional um, in the sense that back in the day on a farmhouse, brewery you you'd had to believe that they were brewing with different ingredients they they were resourceful they probably were brewing with what they had on hand at any given time so and i you know unlike today's emphasis on consistency every batch i'm not sure that mindset existed back then and so brewers brewed with what they had and that most likely meant a wide variety of different grains so to kind of honor that heritage we we chose to use um both malted and unmalted barley, malted unmalted wheat, malted and unmalted rye, uh, spelt, and oats. So pretty much the gamut of of grains that are used in in brewing beer. Um, But, you know, range them such that they form a subtle complexity. And then we have um, the special yeast strain that we use that that, um, generates a lot of the uh, peppery, clove, spicy characters, tropical fruit characteristics. All of that we um, yeah, the fruit really build in with, the, with the, the yeast strain that we use. Um, so it's not meant to be a uh, – it's really meant to be a good, solid, everyday drinking beer, not a special occasion beer. It's just you know simple, and I think true to its simple rustic roots um, and lower in alcohol, so it's sessionable.
2: Pierre, what, what do you think of, of the Saison from Two Roads?
5: I really like it. I find it's got, like, some nice peachy apricot notes that come out of the, the, the fruitiness. And, you know, you can tell that there's definitely that mix of grains, the little spiciness from the, the rye coming through. Um, and, I, I mean, I'm a fan, I mean, of the lower ABV Saisons, like they – inspired by Yvonne de Batz, who wrote the, the chapter on Saisons in the Farmhouse book um, – yeah, it seems like they would have been something much lower in alcohol. Because if you're going to be out working in the fields at lunchtime, you're not going to drink a seven percent saison. Or yeah. well, you could, and then fall asleep. But so,
2: how do we like farmhouse ales, saisons, beer regards, How do they differ? Let's say well, I'm coming back to farmhouse ales, <laughs> of course.
6: Well, uh, you know something about saison. I, I tried to emphasize in the book, um, and it's you know when you think of the various renditions, there's quite a lot of. Uh, variation in the commercial versions there's really it's it's kind of like an open book in a way but but there are some characteristics that are that are um, across the board true and with Saison they tend to be uh, most of the time extraordinarily dry so the refreshing beers uh, they have a lot of complexity in the fruit characteristics so they tend to to emphasize fruity characters Dryness you know by and large they 're refreshing um, so that kind of goes back to the um the roots of it being a refreshing beer for a farm worker that it was it was lower in alcohol, it was uh, dry on the palate, and therefore was refreshing, so that was kind of the the direction that saison's um, went into beer to guard, which means beer for keeping um think in more modern times, morphed into a uh, higher alcohol, um, full-bodied, malt-accented beer, which, you know, can play to the other main reason that, that farm workers were given these ales back in the day when, frankly, it wasn't safe to drink the water. Um, they had higher sugar content, so they tended to provide energy and, um, you know, again, in practical terms, these beers were meant for farm workers way back in the day. And now, you know, we'd like to think that things may not change over hundreds of years, but I, I know they have. You know, the brewing methods have um, found their way into modern versions of these beers. You know, it's inevitable that they've changed. Um, and beer de garde has become associated with northern France, says on with, with Belgium. So, so the, the two styles... Have common roots, but in modern times they've they've evolved into two different, distinctly different things.
2: All right. Hey, um, <coughs> Raphael from trois yeah. What do you think of of this saison?
4: Oh, I really like I, li- I like it because it has as much of this um, East char- character, which is uh, very uh, dominant. And uh, and um, when you think about that, you think about you know the spiciness and uh, and um, also, the, the, it's more hoppy than. Uh, than um, yes, I, personally, I have more understanding of the Saison beer than, the, for example, the business than before, of before because I drink it less often. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it.
2: Cool, thank you. Yeah, we're going take a short break. We're going to play some music and be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. <laughs> All right.
1: which includes a GPS beer finder, a beer sommelier, and descriptions for over 5,000 different brews. What are you waiting for? Back up that passion for craft beer with some solid information and education. Visit greatbrewers.com today.
2: That's your job. Hey, welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're here with uh, Phil Markowski and the team from Two Roads and Raphael from uh, Trois Doms in uh, Switzerland. But we're breaking in a new beer rep, John Kleinchester, who we all know as at Beertography. He did a great job. He's he been promoting beer and, and hosting this great site on Twitter for a long time. He's finally got a job. And you uh, won it for a long time, John, right? You were. You, you applied for that a couple of reps. No, but you w- really wanted a job in, in beer, and I'm really proud of you. Thank you very much. But you're on the show today, and your job is to pour beer. And, you know I, yeah, not I, fa- beer I failed as
6: fast so enough. far. I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> I'll, I'll get there, I swear. So the
2: serious question for, for Phil and, and Raphael, first question is, I'm noticing now that a lot of American breweries are releasing spring saisons, and, and they're great, Victory, Six Point, Greenport, Harbor that we know in New York. It, when do people start associating saisons with spring, or do they not? Uh, good question, Jim. I, I
6: don't. Uh, I don't know, but uh, I think it certainly makes sense in the you know the the sense that the beers are very refreshing. They are traditionally thought of as summer beers or warm weather beers, and the profile supports that. So um, you know, it's not not uh, unexpected that brewers might release a spring saison or Summer Saison, for that matter. Yeah, so. th- I think
2: they're doing it as, like, a, a seasonal. I just wanted to start off the segment with that and, and poke fun at John Clanchester who's with us. But also, Raphael, what beer are we tasting next? Are we going to taste some Trois Doms? Let, let's 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 taste some things that, that you brought, B.R., because we've we've tasted some of the Two Roads, and uh, I really like what, what, what Phil's doing um, with, with the Pilsner and, and the Saison. And we'll come back and taste some uh, of right. your sour beers as well. But... Um, you're really doing something totally different. Like you, you are, like you're, you're working with fruit yeast, wow. and you put in grapes in some of your beers too, aren't you? yes
4: yeah, So I have, uh, you know, the thing is, in Switzerland, we have um, uh, when we, we have to buy malt. It it comes from Germany or from France or from Belgium. We don't have our own malt uh, factories, and uh, the hop uh, often comes from other countries. So um, we are in a wine country, also in the French-speaking part, is a wine country. And um, I figured out that, um, yes, um, a nice thing to do with um, uh, using fruits and uh, rais- uh, raisin and uh, apricots is also the use of more, um, I'd say, more uh, local, local ingredients. And that was one of the reasons also I started to uh, do blends of different types of, uh, of beer with fruits.
2: Well, that's nice. BR, tell us a little more about this beer. I mean, did, I think Rafael just came from the airport. And did this beer come with him right off the uh,
4: plate? No, not this one. <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, the, the beer came with me on the subway, multiple running through the multiple subway, which it could explain in, in part its liveliness. But, um, yeah, this one, uh, like I said, you know, we're, we're finding that with Americans' taste going towards sours, that these barrel-aged beers, the beers done with fruit, are, are definitely gaining more traction. I mean, we do have our traditional sour brewers like Cantillon and Trayfontaine and... Um, but we also have, you know, many of our brewers are experimenting more with wild yeast and barrel aging um, and really doing some interesting stuff. And they're able to expand more, you know, the more we sell here, the more they're able to expand on their end. And, uh, you know, with Raphael's beer, we, we, we enjoy the fact that there, he is using so much of the the local fruits there. We, he has an oud brun with uh, apricots. Um, we've just uh, just brought into New York a... Cezanne that's been uh, aged on Morello cherries and then combined with an Imperial stout uh, and aged in Kirsch barrels, the, the Forêt Noir, the Black Forest. Um, so, you know, definitely some, some intriguing things that we're, we're pretty excited about.
2: Raphael, are you doing all that stuff at, at your brewery in Switzerland?
4: Yeah, so now what we, we have done, we have one building with, with the, the, the principal brewery where we do the... Um, the the beers we uh, we sell uh, you know on regular basis like the like a blonde ale a red ale and a wheat. and then we have an, another building uh, where we have all the the assemblage. Uh, we are doing more and more uh, beers, uh, which is not just one one entity it 's a, it's a, it's an assemblage of two or three different entities. It can be maybe a barrel aged part of the of the portion of that beer and then a fruit p- part and then a fresh beer blended together and then aged uh, together in uh, or in stainless steel or in wood barrels and then um, uh, uh, put in the bright tank again for the for the bottling or the of the kegging. And uh, so we actually be uh, we would be producing in one uh, one building, and then uh, send the beer by um, by um, host to uh, to the other building.
2: Phil, so what, what do you think about his, his saison?
6: This is really nice. Uh, get a, um, a nice grape sweetness to it. Grape, you know, it's very dry. It's very refreshing. There's a, it finishes nicely. A nice sweetness. Is it a combination of red and white grapes?
4: Uh, this uh, this one is with uh, some um, um, uh, raspberries. Oh, interesting. But uh, only a little bit. <laughs>
6: <laughs> no, it's really nice, and it, and again, it it fits the saison. This you know the the number one attribute is dry and refreshing, and this this is it.
2: Well, it's amazing, and it's so you all must, I mean, especially BR with the different beers you guys bring with Shelton Brothers that. It's like every region has traditional ingredients, and uh, I like seeing that expression in, in beers. Um, and what do you guys think, Paul? What about you?
3: Yeah, definitely,
2: very nice. Yeah, I mean, anyways. But Phil, you also brought some uh, some some sour beers too, which is a so. You, this is really the big story. It, it, it's two roads. I mean, Raphael's great. Twa Nams is, you know, he's been over here the second time in the last year. Really great t- to have you come out. And uh, I know BR next week, you're going to feature uh, a couple of Trois Dames at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, what wh- Which ones are you going to have for us? There's a couple couple beers you're bringing in.
5: Um, I know for sure we've got the Oud Brun, the Grand Dame Oud Brun, which is the Oud Brun with apricots. And I'd have to check for the others.
2: Did you bring that today?
5: I didn't. That's the I'm one
2: sorry. I want to try. I'm sorry. Come on. And then Phil's here. Um, so, you guys, the, 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 the real story I want to get to with you guys is, I mean, so. You were at Southampton. It was it was a, a brew pub, mm-hmm. and then did you grow it through contracting? Was, was that was part of your job?
6: Yes, and and um, you know that experience uh, taught me the need for something for a facility like two roads where where somebody could go um, and reproduce their craft style beers, which are typically dry hopped. Um, that I mentioned earlier the larger regional breweries weren't really set up for that, so it was kind of frustrating to try to replicate our beers faithfully so um, you know that was part of the genesis of Two Roads was to to be able to create a facility that craft brewers could come to and you know brew their beers um, authentically and since we started since we did our first brews back in November of uh, 2012 we started a sour program and knowing that it would take a year plus for some of these beers to to be ready we planned our first sour release um and it's a brewery only release on April 19th. And the three products that we're releasing, you're tasting one right now. This is crazy pucker uh which is our Berliner Weiss. Um really freakish looking label if uh, if I do say so myself. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Who designed the label?
6: Uh I'm not telling, but it wasn't me. Just <laughs> yes, pass that pass that to
2: Maggie, Maggie. We'll take a picture and put it on Twitter and uh if, if you uh, tweet back, you'll get a free. Do you have Two Roads T-shirts, John? He's, yes. he's he's wearing the only one he owns. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you like the if you like the Crazy Pucker label, and tweet us back, you get a free Two Roads T-shirt. How about that? Right. And it's
6: uh, it's a, a sneak preview because this has not been released, and as I mentioned, it's a brewery-only release, so it's. Um, so it's the first time anyone's seen that label, right? Uh, outside the brewery, yes. So.
2: Well, it's cool. I mean, so a, a lot of breweries seem to start with, with the Berlin of Weiss as like a first, first sour, right? Is that an easier style to make? Um,
6: I wouldn't say easier necessarily. It's perhaps a little more predictable. There's, there's cultures available now, but when I first started making them, it was you were on your own. I mean, you had to figure it out on your own, but now um, it's still not easy and still not entirely predictable, but, but you can buy uh, cultures all set to go. And, you know, um, they, they make good Berliner Weiss. Uh, you know, I think sometimes people may not give them enough time. You know, you really do have to, to let it, the bacteria run its course and not rush it, set up the right conditions and, and you know, let it go, and it's not ready until it's ready.
2: Yeah. And you, you, people think of you as like a real brewer's brewer. I mean, you're, you're respected, you're, you're an author, but really your heart and soul is you're, you're running a brewery Every day, and that's why we're so lucky to have you on the show, and really appreciate you. You could take the time to come into the city. My pleasure.
6: Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, and then Paul, do you do anything in the brewery besides? I mean, you're doing some repping, and and you're a writer, but are you also trying to get your hands uh, in in the brewery action?
3: Well, Phil's a great brewer. I'll uh, I'll let him take care of that part of it. Well, what still, Paul's
2: not telling you
6: is he's taught me a thing or two over the years too. So he's a fantastic lager brewer. So well, yeah,
2: it must be fun. I mean, I've, I've known you for twenty years, almost to the day, and uh, you're always a home brewer at heart. So um, yep, used to bring you my lunch. home brew into Muggsy's Chow Chow <laughs> back in the day, a right? long time ago. So what do you yep. think about this Berliner Weiss recipe? Really nice. I want you to ask some questions, like you know,
3: about recipes. Uh, what's things. the gravity, Phil? Uh, this is eight and a half
6: Plato, so it's low alcohol beer. It's um, Less than three percent, we okay. estimate. So it's it's very low low in alcohol. Um, you know the the predominant characteristic, of course, very light in body and has a, uh, a tartness that's uh, certainly noticeable but not overwhelming. Um, and it's you know it's really very much a traditional Berliner Weiss down to the alcohol content. Um, these were beers that were meant to refresh and. They do just that. I mean, it really kind of, I like them year-round, but it's really, you know, a warm-weather beer at heart.
5: And for the brewing process, did you boil this, or did you do the traditional sour mash? Uh,
6: This was not done with a sour mash at all. This is strictly bacterial fermentation to to get the sourness.
4: And is it it boiled or not boiled? We did boil it, yes.
3: How long did it take to, uh, how old is it now when we're tasting it?
4: Uh, We started
6: this in May of May early June last year. So it's not quite a year, but you know we have uh, some other beers that are actually we started 15 months ago that aren't ready yet, you know, that's will be in a future sour release mm-hmm. at the brewery. Um some of which will be in November this year we're going to do another sour release. So they take varying amounts of time, but as I said before it's there's not these are not products that are uh made by the calendar, you know, they dictate when they're ready. So and very, how did you it's notice? Very nice. I like, I like you it. You like it, much, I, yeah. yeah. I do too. Thank you.
3: How did you notice the flavor evolving? I'm sure you tasted it along the way.
6: Um, I did taste it uh, at least weekly. Um, a lot of times for these beers, changes don't occur very rapidly, so you can ch- you can taste them a couple times a month and uh, maybe see some progress. But there there are always times with. A sour beer's development, where they don't taste very good. There's a sort of an awkward age that they go through, and then, then uh, you know, as long as you write it out and again set up the right conditions, they kind of hit the the mark. You know, at some point, months down the road, typically. Uh, again, you can't rush these things, and at our brewery, we do very small amounts because. We have them sequestered in a far end of the brewery. I mean, we, we have a big production facility, and we produce, for the most part, very clean beers. And this is the last thing we want mixed in with our equipment. So we have a – we're actually
2: – I was going to ask you that.
6: It, it's a common question that, that we're asked. And, and people, um, you know, wonder why we can't make more. It's because we have very small tanks. Uh, in a far end of the building, we hand bottle these, so we don't want this type of beer on our regular equipment. So it's important to keep things separate, but it doesn't mean you can't do, you know, a, a wide ranging diversity of beers, and that's what we aim to do.
2: I mean, to, to what extent do you have to? to what, what do you do to separate the sour beer portion from the, the rest of the brewery? Well,
6: I mean, they use—they're they,
2: not separate buildings, are they?
6: Uh, they're not currently, but we're actually building a, not building, but we're outfitting, uh, we have a hundred-year-old factory building that we bought in Stratford, Connecticut, and we uh, renovated most of it, but we have some outbuildings outbuild- that we are currently renovating to house our sour beer program, so it'll be physically removed from the rest of the brewery by, you know, a couple hundred yards, but not, you know, it's, it's not in the same building, and then we uh, use all different equipment, different hoses, different pumps. Um, we fill the bottles by hand. We, it doesn't go on our regular equipment, so we try to keep everything isolated
2: from the main plant. All right, and Rafael. I'm trying to get the two brewers to talk a little bit and, and hang out because they're so different. But they're you guys. Are, all brewers are the same. You guys like seem to care about the same process. You're interested in you know. Yeah, I think we like.
4: I think we like to experiment and. Uh, and to um, yeah, to let also the nature do things. You know, sometimes uh, people are amazed about uh, the result of a beer. I say, yes, I have done part of the job, but uh, the other part is the nature has helped me also. <laughs> and um, yes. All right.
2: Do you ever think the two of you guys would ever make beer together? Is that, you know, now you're doing, tell us about, I want to hear about the, do you call it contract component? What's the, with guys like Evil Twin co- coming to you? Are you making beers with them, or are you making beers for them?
6: Uh, I mean, I guess you could say it's both. I mean, they, they, We have 12 customers that we make beer for, and they're all um, involved to varying degrees. You know, um, Yep, Ed Evil Twin is, is, is very much involved. Um, Brian Strumpke at Stillwater is very involved in, in making sure we brew his beers the way he wants them to, and and it's not our, you know, we're not there to preach to anybody that this is the way you should do it. I mean, brewing is, that's kind of the beauties of brewing. There's a million different ways to achieve the end result. And, and you know, it's an art form. So you can't say that one particular approach is better than another. And so we just, you know, we're, we're there to, to do what people want us to do. And yeah.
4: Yes, yeah, so, so sometimes people ask me, uh, uh, so what, what do you think about your job? And, uh, and I say, you know, I, sometimes I, I, feel, I feel more closer to a, a, a chef of the cuisine, like someone who is doing kit, uh, kitchen recipes, because uh, I, I, don't, I, just, I don't want to make just one beer. I'm interested in different style, different approaches. And I feel more close to a, a chef than maybe a technical brewer of a larger brewery. And the reason I'm here uh, in uh, America this time is because uh, we are having this project together with two other American breweries. We are brewing a beer together with um, Jester King Brewing Company in uh, Texas and Crooked Stave in uh, Denver, Colorado. So what we do, we actually, the idea uh, was is to, we we are going to be brewing the same recipe in three different locations using the same um, kind of uh, raw ingredients, and then uh, uh, a barrel aged, and we have picked up uh, barrels from the region of south of Spain, from uh, Jerez de la Frontera, uh, cherry barrels, and so the same barrels will be used also in the three different projects. And what will be different from one product to the other is the, of course the water, the local water we are using and also the microorganism and the, uh, the type of yeast we're gonna be using to uh, ferment and to, uh, to put in the, uh, in the barrels.
2: And are all three of you guys making beer at the same, at each location, traveling so we around have So we have done
4: the first product, <laughs> we have done it back in um, uh, October in Texas and now, uh, Denver, Colorado, it will be the 12th of October. And then the, the brewers from these two breweries come to Switzerland the 5th of May for the CERN uh, project. And uh, afterwards, maybe in six months or one year from now, uh, it, it will be possible to try the three different beers at the Shelton Festival or in some occasion. Wow.
2: That's cool. I'm pretty psyched today. We, we got we two different brewers here. We got Phil Markowski, our great American brewer from Two Roads, and uh, Raphael from uh, Trois Dames in Switzerland. We'll take a short break. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Uh. yeah hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're out here at Roberta's in Bushwick. I can't wait to have some pizza. We used to have, uh, I'm going to make a short announcement um, looking back to old uh, co-host Roy Dieter Um, Who passed away a few years ago We used to always have the steak for two And that was how Ray would celebrate life And uh, I got to know his partner Dennis Zentek after he died And sadly uh, Dennis uh, Zentek Died last week The other founding member of of the DBA bars uh, He he fell and had a head trauma And uh, sadly there's going to be A a gathering uh, April 16th At DBA in East Village In the afternoon I would say go to the DBA East Village Facebook to learn more about it But some of their partners from New Orleans are coming up. They're going to do a second line. Uh, there'll be food and, and things. But Dennis and Ray were such a important, you know, founders of the craft beer community in New York, and uh, it was it was sad that we we learned about it last week. And they're just making plans for the memorial service. So let's make a toast to uh, Dennis Sentek of DBA and Ray, and uh, you know, those guys were, were important guys. Sure. But we're, we've also got some. Uh, it's great having Phil Markowski. I'm trying to tie it into. Uh, there has been sadness and all that stuff, but. You know, Phil, you, you really are also one of these pioneers for craft beer scene, and uh, it's nice to have you on.
6: Thanks, Jim. goes to show you hang around long enough and good things <laughs> happen.
2: Well, uh, so you, you're, you're getting into sours. You're playing around with that. So uh, what what's the second sour that we're tasting? I really like its style.
6: Actually, this is Raphael's here, right? You, Urban Punk oh, we perfect. tried before. I actually have another yeah. bottle here. Um this was something we did with we captured a yeast. This is sort of what Raphael was talking about earlier, that's something he's doing with local yeasts. Uh we captured a um an airborne yeast it was actually during Hurricane Sandy. So possibly this yeast uh came from a far off place and you know we, we captured it locally and um at first uh did not think that it was going to have legs, so to speak. That that it would, we, we've had a could number have been of yeast from a, that we, a
2: fig tree in Brooklyn.
6: Uh, not quite that <laughs> that romantic, but I mean, is you know yeast captured during a hurricane? I guess it you know makes a, a good story, but but not could for, have been a fig tree. In Brooklyn. Not the best uh, association, but um, this one is is called Urban Funk. We we captured this yeast. We did a beer with it and um, kept it in stainless steel. That's the urban aspect of it. It was also captured. In an urban environment, and this beer is being offered at our sour release on April nineteenth. Uh, Six hundred fifty bottles—that's it. Um, and we hope to do others in the series. We hope to get yeast from a country setting, barrel age. That you know, just sort of have fun with it. Um, but it's it's using literally a you know very local ingredient to to give it a uh, uh, you know kind of its unique characteristics, yeah, and it's. Nice. Um, what, do you, yeah, what, what did you think about
2: you, you had it before. Yes, yeah, I
4: had it before. Yes,
2: yeah. Yeah, so yeah, I like it very much. But how does it feel for you I mean, to, to be working with with Phil in such a, like interesting setting? He's making Pilsners, he's making Saisons, IPAs, but he's also making sour beers.
3: It's great. I actually was fortunate enough to be at the brewery when they were testing some of the wild yeast <clears throat> they captured. We got to taste a bunch of different ones, and they found which ones were viable. But it was uh, I found it fascinating.
2: Br, you've traveled so much in Belgium yourself, and, and you work with great brewers like Cantillon. I mean, what do you, th- what can American brewers like Phil learn from Cantillon and, and the great Belgian sour producers?
5: Well, I don't know. I don't know how much Phil needs to learn <laughs> <laughs> with his beers, but I mean, so I, they should learn from Phil. I no, but I mean, in, in general, I find with with a lot of American brewers, um, you know, who just want to kind of jump on the sour bandwagon, is they rush the beers. They're very one dimensional they're just sour you know there's just a lot of of, of notes going on and there's not a complexity you know when you taste something that i mean phil has, has done fantastic sours for a while and, and um you know other brewers are doing it as well but there's a complexity there there's layers and it's not just a simple one note and i think it's you just can't rush it you can't just say oh, i want to put this out because it's very you know i'm gonna make some money off of it it's a thing to do you know I'm, I, I did my imperial ipa and now i'm gonna do sours um they need time. They really. I mean, you know, we the beers at Cantillon, for example. You know, it takes Jean several years before he's ready to release his beers, um, and it's it, it's not always depending on if you own your own brewery. If you've got partners who want to get things out into the market quickly, it can force people to rush things, unfortunately. But I do like that urban funk. That was very nice.
6: Thank you, and and to what BR said and what your question was, Jim. In terms of what can we learn from the old world? And basically, it's what Br said is that uh, I, I think patience is something the old world knows, and and Cantillon in, p- in particular, um, they also have a deep respect for the the mystery of making beer, and and they um, uh, you know I, superstitious is not a, a necessarily the best choice of word, but but it's there's a certain uh, deep respect for the on attainable um, or unseeable parts of making beer, that there's things going on, it's a living product, it's evolving. Um, and essentially, you know, the beer is the boss. You're not the boss. You don't set your calendar and say, okay, it's ready in two months. As I said before, it's ready when it's ready. And that's that's really the lesson we can take from the old world.
2: Rafael, what's this next beer we had? So this is a, a beer that I've seen... Uh, there's there's two styles of this beer.
4: Yeah, there's a white and a red version. This is with uh, Garnot. Uh, <laughs> it's it's actually half Gare Noir, half Pinot Noir. Uh, but it's only what I what we, we can do it only once a year. This beer because we work with a uh, with a winemaker, and he's bringing me the um, the the pressed uh, the pressed raisin, uh, and I mix it. Uh, at during fermentation of the of uh, the saison type ale, so I'm, I so we do the fermentation together, and then it uh, it will be aged uh, for maybe four to six months, and then bottle bottle condition.
2: Paul, do you have a question? Because we've got two guys that make saison, and I know you're f- such a great job with Ale Street News, and you've written so many homebrew recipes. Wh- what's a question that you would ask both these guys so they could answer separately?
3: Uh... Well, there's probably a lot, but I guess one question would be, what's your philosophy on spices? Because I know a lot of people these days are kind of adding a lot of things to Saison's, peppercorns and so forth. Yeah, a and, lot of peppercorns. Yeah, and there's certain things seem to be very prevalent, but for instance, uh, the Two road Saison doesn't have spices at all. This beer is not spice. So, no, I, I'm wondering what your different philosophies are
4: on so, that. I have not much experience with spices. I don't use spices. I only do when, I, when I'm when i brewing a uh, Belgian-type um, wheat. I'm uh, using coriander and um, orange peels, uh, coriander for the spices. But yep. uh, in saison, I've never used spices.
6: And I don't say that spices are off-limits. I think they have a place. Uh, they tend to be overdone. That's uh, uh, the biggest concern. People... Tend to overdo certain spices. Some are very powerful, and you know that little goes a long way. So you have to be careful with that. Uh, I do, as Raphael mentioned, I like to to get the complexity out of the yeast rather than add it by other means. Uh, but I, you know, I do make spice beers on occasion. It's not something that I'm philosophically philosophically against. But I think I read somewhere once in a quote from an old Belgian brewer that if you could pick out the spice. Individually, then you're adding too much, so they really should blend um, into a you know have a synergy that maybe there's the the sum of the parts is greater, and you can't really pick anything out that's you know a, a little it goes a long way go lightly on spices would be my my advice but uh, you don't need them with the right yeast.
2: Do you have another question, Paul? yeah, I but bet you have about twenty questions uh, You know, I read your column every two months, Ale Street News comes out. Paul Sullivan, how long have you been writing the homebrew column?
3: I've been doing that since I was working at Commonwealth Brewery in New York. That was uh, 97, I believe.
2: that's a great column. Thank you. I'm happy to have you on. It's your first time on, I can't believe it.
3: Yeah, it never worked out before, but I'm very happy to be here also.
2: All right, one more question for the, the brewers, Paul.
3: Uh, how about the seasonal aspect of saisons different different spices and and ingredients for different seasons
6: well I think that I think that's true to the the name of course the, the name means season um, and to to vary things based on you know that's that's how what's
3: available right
6: people operated for millennia you know it's really recently that we've been able to pick and choose anything we want any time of year there's no more there's very little seasonality left and so this is a good way to keep it alive and in, in the beer world um and it also shows i think resourcefulness and and just you know an attention to that time of year there's a, there's certain things available um and why not celebrate it and enjoy it while it's there and then move on to the next season
4: rafael um yes i think um Of course, you drink different beers in a different season. Uh, uh, There are traditions. There are also what's happening now. Uh, But for example, myself, I like to drink uh, an IPA all year all year long. (laughs) And uh, uh, for example, for winter, I don't like personally much the um, the beers uh, the 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 uh, the Christmas beers with spices and things like that. I'm not so fan of that.
3: Just thought of another one, too. How about fermentation temperatures? That's always been a real interesting thing about saisons, something that Phil brought out in his book.
6: And, and the point I was trying to make is it's not necessarily um, important that you ferment really high in temperature, but um, famously DuPont ferments very high in temperature, and you don't need to be very high in temperature to get a lot of character out of that yeast. I think, really, their needs are, are more based on their system. They need to rush the beer out of fermentation, primary fermentation, into secondary. So they go, you know, in a, a temperature winemaker might use, um, basically just under the point where the yeast is going to die off from temperature. You know, high 80s, 90s, Fahrenheit, and, you know, 32, 34 Celsius, you know, where you're you're getting really up there. Um it's, it's really just to, to get the yeast through the system quickly. Uh, you can get plenty of character down in the more traditional range of 70 to 75 degrees. Um, so it's a mixed bag. I mean, that's the, the thing about Saison and brewing them is that there's such leeway. You know, really, you can just do whatever your heart pleases. And uh, that's the beauty of the style and also what is frustrating to some people who like things neatly uh, pigeonholed and defined, saisons can be frustrating because there's such a wide variety and so many different approaches. But it's really, I, I think that with the one style of beer that um, still shows the art of brewing and that that brewers have different approach. There's no rules. Whatever, whatever you want to do, and that's 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 the beauty of it for me. How about Rafael, um,
4: yes, it's uh, it's funny. For example, in our region, uh, the water we are using is pretty. Um, uh, mineral it's very very pretty hard and um, when we do a uh, high temperature fermentation it seems to ferment quick but stop quick so it's uh, for us it's harder to get it dry um, more than when we do it a little bit colder and it's funny when i was uh, reading uh, mark's book uh uh, is, um, and I mentioned that to a, to a friend brewer in Canada that uh, some of the saison brewers they use they, 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 they go high in temperature and they don't use a, a big pitching rate. And uh, he said, ah, but this is for looking for trouble. <laughs> so yes, yeah, I think uh, each each brew has his, his way to do things uh, regarding also uh, uh, of uh, the kind of water uh, uh, which is available uh, on site, and also the pitching rate and um, uh, and the aim of the beer. Uh, sometimes uh, I have had uh, people telling me, I like your beer, but sometimes it's too dry. So. Um, uh, but personally, I like it dry, so <laughs> it's, um, it's, up, it's up to, uh, to uh, the situation. It's
2: great. One last question. So everyone in the room, let's offer up uh, one of your favorite saisons. I'll tell you mine first, the Fantome. I love Fantome. They're, they're all different. I bet they're made with time and probably at proper temperatures, right? Have you, have you had any of the Fantome? I have,
6: yes. And uh, each one is
2: unpredictable. So that's part of the fun I love them What about you, B.R.? What, what, pick a favorite You have so many great beers In the Shelton Brothers portfolio I,
5: I mean, I, I've got to go with one That's not one of mine I wish it were Is the Saison du Pont Which is what people think of The classic Saison I mean, yeah It's, it's a little bit higher in alcohol um, But it's, you know, it's just got so many things Going on with it It's, it's very dry It's easy to drink Even at what is it, like 7%
2: and Phil, is there a Saison that inspires you?
6: Uh, workers comp by two roads.
4: A, All a, a right, I amazing. like that. I gotta, Thank you, I gotta say and Raphael. That. Uh, f- um, I like the hoppy saison when when they are pretty hoppy.
2: All right, well,
3: yeah, I'd have to go with Dupont also. Maybe uh, the uh, seasonal at the end of the season avec le bon veau. Uh, All right, just I really
2: I really like you guys coming on. Thank you so much. Uh, Rafael, you, you, we're looking forward to having him in, in New York. And uh, you're, where are you going to be? Is, is he visiting a, a few bars in New York City?
5: Yeah, we just—he's just here quickly before heading out to Craft Brewers Conference in Denver. But tomorrow night, Wednesday, we will be at Torst over in Greenpoint. A few things on draft, and some, some the, the new Foray Noir in bottles. All right, and John.
2: What is uh, Two Roads doing this week? You got some special launch parties.
1: So actually, tonight we have uh, dueling events both at uh, Alewife Queens and at the Pony Bar Hell's Kitchen. So uh, come on out. All right,
2: well, thanks everyone for coming on. This is a really great show. Thanks to our sponsors, greatbrewers.com have helped to bring this podcast to you tonight. Thanks to Phil, John, Paul, Raphael, and BR for joining me here on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni. Thanks to our producers, Maggie Seiden and Justin Kennedy. who are in there in the booth. Maggie's tweeting at Beer underscore sessions. And our engineer who's back, the founding engineer and producer, Jack Insley. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.